Uh, well, we're going to start a new series today that we've called uh, One Hit Wonders. And uh, when you look at the music industry, every once in a while, uh, there is an artist that comes out with a song that just skyrockets all the way to the top, uh, maybe the top 10, the top five, or even the top song in the land. Uh, and then you never hear from that artist again. And it's really unexplainable as to why uh, their song became so famous, and also unexplainable as why you never hear of them again. And we call these uh, songs, these artists, uh, one-hit wonders. Uh, when we look at the Bible, we oftentimes like to stay uh, in, in books that have a lot of length to them. Right, we like to read from Genesis, uh, from Joshua, from Judges. We like to read in the New Testament from the Gospels or the book of Acts or, or Romans sometimes. Uh, but when we look at the Bible as a whole, we come across five books that are really, really short. Uh, in fact, they're so short they do not have chapter breaks. Uh, so they are what we could call one-hit wonders, all right, one chapter uh, that has a lot of impact. And so what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is look at each of these books uh, and see what it has to say, because these books have a message of hope, they have a message of encouragement, uh, and they're just all-around good books. So they're probably books you really don't spend a lot of time on. Uh, and so we're going to do that. Uh, today we're going to take uh, from the Old Testament, uh, and it's the book of Obadiah. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, try your hardest to find Obadiah. All right. uh, Obadiah is in what is called the uh, Minor Prophets. Uh, the Old Testament is divided up uh, into different sections. It starts off with the Pentateuch, uh, which is just a fancy word to mean the first five books of the Bible. Uh, then uh, it goes into the history of Israel, and that starts in Joshua and goes all the way to Esther. Uh, then we get into five books of poetry, uh, which starts with Job and goes to Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on uh, how you want to say it today. Uh, and then uh, we get into the prophets, and the prophets are are divided up into two. There's the major prophets, and they're major because sometimes they're really big. All right, uh, the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters long. All right, the book of, of Jeremiah is, is 52, Ezekiel is 48, but sometimes it's not because of length. Uh, Lamentations is considered a, a major prophet, and it's five chapters long. But it happens to be written by Jeremiah, who also has 52 other chapters, so that kind of makes sense. Uh, and sometimes it's because of how famous the guy was, like Daniel. Uh, Daniel is not the fourth largest book of prophets uh, or prophecy in that section, uh, but he is a major character because of what he has to say and, and what happened to him. Uh, and so then you get to the 12 minor prophets, and Obadiah is somewhere in there, and hopefully you found it between all my rambling and explaining the Old Testament. All right, so we're going to read the uh, first verse of Obadiah, and it reads like this. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord says about Edom. And I want to kind of stop there because this is our setting of our scene. Uh, and so since we're going to only be covering Obadiah in one, uh, one week, we want to kind of understand what is going on. All right, the first is this guy named Obadiah. Obadiah is a fairly common name in the Old Testament, and it's none of the guys that are previously named in the Old Testament. So we actually have really no idea who this prophet is. A lot of times in the prophetic books, they will explain who they are. They'll say, uh, I am so-and-so from this town over here. And so we can kind of at least know where he's from and maybe who he is from genealogical records. But Obadiah, we don't know anything about him because he doesn't tell us anything. 
Uh, what we do know is what his name means. Remember in the Old Testament, names mean something. They're important. And Obadiah's name means servant of the Lord, which is a fairly fitting name for a prophet, right? He's the servant of the Lord. And he has a message from God. Right? That's what prophecy often is, is a message from God. And his message is for Edom. And this is where we must stop, because a lot of times in the prophetic books, they're most of the times talking about Israel, but every once in a while they come across a message for somebody other than Israel. All right, Jonah, he doesn't have a message for Israel. Instead, he has a message for anybody? Nineveh. Good job. All right, so it's not even, you know, he doesn't even talk about Israel. Obadiah is going to talk a little bit about Israel, but the main message that he has is for the people known as Edom. And so who are these people, and how do they relate to everything that is going on? Well, to know this, we must first look back in history, uh, look all the way back to the book of Genesis. And halfway through the book of Genesis, uh, we come across the sons of Isaac. And Isaac had two sons. They were twins, and their name was Esau and Jacob. All right, and Esau and Jacob, they... While they were twins, they were complete opposites, all right? They were what we would call fraternal twins. Esau is described as being a manly man. He goes out hunting and fishing and collecting everything that a, a, a guy of the forest would do. All right? he, Jacob, on the other hand, he is a mama's boy. All right, he stays around the tents, he helps his mom cook, he helps his mom clean, and when it comes to favorites, Isaac had a favorite, and that was Esau, and Rachel, uh, Re Rachel? Rebecca had a favorite whose name was Jacob. All right, and so they had favorites that they played on, and it kind of played out in their lives. Well, uh, Esau, uh, because he is the firstborn, he was going to get a couple of different things. The first thing he was going to get was a special inheritance. See, in the Old Testament time period, if you were the firstborn, you got a lion's share of the inheritance, oftentimes almost everything. All right, and, and if you were another kid born after the firstborn, you really didn't get a whole lot. All right, so that was one thing that, that Esau was supposed to get. Uh, Esau, uh, also because he was in the family of Isaac, and Isaac is the son of Abraham, and God had said to Abraham, I have a special blessing for you that will pass on through your lineage. Uh, Esau was supposed to get this special blessing uh, that the family had. And so uh, when we look at this story, we see a couple of things happen. Uh, one day Esau is coming back from hunting, and he's hungry. Uh, he, he is so hungry, he says he's going to die if he doesn't get any food. And he smells the food that Jacob is cooking. And he says, Jacob, can you please give me a bowl? And Jacob says, yes, if you sell me your birthrights. I, I want the, your inheritance. I, I don't want my inheritance. We'll switch. We'll all be good. And Esau, for some reason that's unexplainable, says, okay, I, I kind of picture this, this brute of a man coming in and, and this scrawny little brother saying, no, you can't have a bowl of soup. And I know what I would have done with my brother if he had said that. I, I would have beat him up and gotten my bowl of soup. I, but for some reason, Esau, he won't do that. He goes ahead and sells his birthright. I, so that's one thing that happened. Another thing that happened 
was what happened with Isaac. Isaac, uh, their father, was getting really old, and he wanted to give his special blessing away. And so he calls in Esau, and he says, Esau, go hunt, go cook, and when you come back, I'm going to bless you. And so as Esau goes out to hunt and cook, Jacob cooks faster than Esau can find food, and Jacob brings it in dressed as his brother, uh, wearing uh, lamb on his, his uh, sheepskin on his arms so that when his father touched him, he thinks that it's Esau because Isaac's almost blind. And when uh, Jacob tricks his father enough, Isaac blesses Jacob instead of Esau. And so uh, you kind of see how this doesn't, isn't going to go very well, right? He's already lost his inheritance. Now he's lost this special blessing. And so when Esau finds out everything that Jacob has done, he says, I'm going to kill you. And so Jacob runs away, uh, and these two people, they end up having children, and they end up, those children have children, and they eventually become two nations. The one nation uh, for Esau uh, is the nation of Edom. All right? Esau also had another name. He was oft, often called Edom because uh, in Hebrew, Edom means red, and his hair it was red, and so they called him Edom. All right, and so uh, his family became the nation of Edom. Uh, and then Jacob, he was given another name by God, and that was Israel. And so his family became the nation of Israel. And these two nations, uh, while they come from a common lineage, while they are brothers, in fact, they don't get along very well. And it really starts with their own brothers. All right, they don't get along very well. The Israelites were in, in Egypt as slaves. God called them out. They came out, and as they're going to the promised land, they come across the nation of Edom, and they say, hey, guys, can we pass through your land? And the nation of Edom said, no. No, no, you can't do that. And so they start to walk around Edom, and as they're walking around Edom, Edom says, you can't do that either. And they start to attack the Israelites, and the Israelites have to fight them off. Well, when the Israelites get into the promised land and they start to expand their influence, one of the nations that they take over is the nation of Edom. And then they conquer them, they make them subservient to them. And then Edom, they get tired of that, so they rebel. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And there's a lot of bad blood between these two nations. And so when we get to the book of Obadiah, something terrible has happened to the Israelites. Uh, The Babylonians have come. And the Babylonians, they came twice. The first time they made Israel subservient to them. And when the Israelites got fed up with that, they tried to rebel uh, within only a couple of years. And the Babylonians came back and they completely decimated Jerusalem. And while this is all happening, Edom is sitting back and they're doing something that is not pleasing in the sight of God. And we read about it in verses uh, 10 through 14. Uh, In verses 10, we read, Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof, while strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, and you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity on the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down the fugitives, nor hand over the survivors in the day of their trouble. So Obadiah is talking to the Edomites, and he's saying, here's what you did that you shouldn't have done. You stood back and you rejoiced. You gloated 
when Jerusalem fell. You stood back, and, and once the Babylonians were gone, you, along with all the other nations, came into Jerusalem and picked from what was left. You ravaged them. You guys stood back as they were being destroyed and as people were fleeing the city and you stood at the crossroads and when the Israelites came, you either killed them or you captured them and shipped them back to Babylon. All right, they did all these things against their brothers, against their fellow nations, who they have a common lineage and they were doing this in a willful manner. They were very much servants of Babylon in this. So why is this wrong? Well, I think this is something that, that we sometimes do as, as humans. You know, not necessarily standing at the corner and killing people as they walk through, but sometimes in a metaphysical way, we, we act this way. Now, when people are in moments of calamity, what is our first reaction? Sometimes it's to have empathy, but sometimes it's to be smug at them. Let me give you a couple examples of what I mean. A couple, couple weeks ago, there was a boy that uh, climbed over a fence and, and some pushes and fell into a pit at the Cincinnati Zoo. And it was the gorilla pit, right? And the, the male gorilla saw him and he went over there and he started to drag him to and fro across the pit. And though the zookeepers tried to uh, coax him back into uh, where the pen where he was supposed to be, he just kept going. And so eventually the zookeepers decided to shoot and kill the gorilla to save the boy's life. And the reaction of a lot of people when they first read this story was, well, that mom should have paid closer attention. That mom's a terrible mother for allowing this to happen. Or the zookeepers didn't know what they were doing. The zookeepers are at fault for killing that, that gorilla rather than trying to train him or anything else. Without knowing anything else, that was the first reaction of a lot of people. And I think that is the type of reaction that the Edomites were doing. They were sitting there laughing and gloating and being smug about what was going on in Jerusalem. And when we, we are not sympathetic, we are not empathetic towards other people in the moments of their disaster... That is what is happening. Another example is something that happened in Orlando a couple weeks ago when uh, a couple of people were killed at a gay bar, uh, over 50 people in fact. And the first thing that on both sides of the aisle that happened was we've turned this into a political matter over guns and Muslims and whatever else. Rather than having sympathy for people that had died, for loved ones that had lost children, you know, what, what is our reaction to these moments of calamity? What is our reaction to disasters that are happening around the world? This world is a very dark place right now. And what is our reaction? Is it they deserve those things or is it, man, this is a terrible situation? How can we as Christians shine our light into situations like this? Now, the question I have is, is, why is it that we choose not to be empathetic or compassionate? You know, it doesn't even have to be to the grand scale of these big events. Sometimes we are not empathetic or sympathetic towards people when they are facing financial difficulties. Instead, we look at them and say, I wouldn't handle my money that way. And we say it's all their fault because of how, what's going on in their lives. 
Or maybe we see their, their kids running around like crazy and we, uh, instead of being empathetic towards a mother who is struggling to have control over what is going on, we say, that's a terrible mother. I'm a better parent than that. And when we act like that, why do we act that way? Well, for the Edomites, it's because of this little thing called pride. And in verses 2 and 4, we read this. We see, see, I will make you small among the nations. You'll be utterly despised. In verse 3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who lives in the clefts of the rocks and make your homes in the heights, you who say to yourselves, come, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. And what God, what is happening with the Edomites when they're looking at Israel and all that's happening there, the reason they're smug, the reason why they're rejoicing, the reason why they're not having sympathy towards their fellow man, it's because they are prideful in their hearts. They are people who live in mountains, literally. They made their homes in mountains. If you've ever seen the third Indiana Jones movie, it has that big uh, mountainside city. All right, that's the city of Petra, and it is literally where Edom's capital was. All right, this is how they lived. And they really felt that no one could come and conquer them because they lived in all the little holes in the mountain. And that's why they were so prideful. And as they're seeing Israel be destroyed, they're like, ha, no one could do that to us. And in their pride, they were willing to do things that are not, doesn't make sense. They were willing to do things that were not empathetic towards Israel. You know, I think that's how it happens with us. That we become prideful. And when we see disaster in other people's lives, we're like, that would never happen to me. I would never let that happen. I'm much better with my money. I watch my kids when I go to the zoo. I'm much better than that person. And we allow that prideful attitude to control who we are rather than just having sympathy. Man. My first thought, I was like, man, I'm so glad that kid is alive. I mean, I, I don't know what I'd do if Micah jumped into a gorilla pit. You know, that, that, that I think is what our reaction should be is, man, I'm, I'm glad. I feel sorry for her. I mean, just to see your kid dragged around like that, what, what would you do? I'd be scared. I don't know if I'd jump in, but I'd be scared, you know, of what was going on. I think that is what the Edomites should have done. Watching Babylon come in and destroy Jerusalem, tearing down their temple, tearing down their walls. Man, what if that happened to us? Who would be on our side? Well, for Edom, that's not what happened. They allowed their pride. And in verses 5 and 6, we read uh, this. He says, If thieves come and robbers at night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasure pillaged. And, and one thing that we have to remember is something that's said in Proverbs sixteen eighteen, which says, Pride becomes before the fall. And with the Edomites, their pride was so big that God says, listen, because you're so prideful and because of the way you treated Israel, your destruction is going to be complete. And this should serve as a warning for us. 
that when we choose to allow our pride to control how we act in different situations, to control how lack of empathy we give towards other people, know that when you face your own calamity, when you face your own disaster, your fall is going to be terrible. Well, Obadiah, like most of the Old Testament books of prophecy, uh, they don't only talk about judgment, but they also talk about hope. And the hope we read starting in verse 17 is this. On Mount Zion, there will be deliverance. It will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire, Joseph a flame, Esau will be a stubble, and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors for Esau. It sounds like there's not much hope, but there is hope. The hope is for those who are facing the moments of calamity. You know, when things are going wrong, when it doesn't seem like, like anything is going right, and it's just a terrible situation that you find yourselves in, know that someday Zion will be delivered. Zion here represents Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem was built on a number of different mountaintops, and then one of them was named Mount Zion, and it came to represent all of Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, even though it looks bad, even though you've been taken into exile, even though you've been destroyed, there will be deliverance. And so for you, if you're going through a moment right now where everything seems to be going wrong, If you hold on to God, there will be deliverance. Maybe in this lifetime, maybe in the next. But there is hope. The last thing I want you to know from Obadiah comes from verse 15, and it says this. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. This is the uh, New Testament says it this way, what you sow, you will reap. And I think the whole point of Obadiah comes, hinges on this verse. It's this verse that I think explains what's happening to Edom and, and kind of gives hope for the future for Israel. All right, and it's this, is if you act without sympathy, if you act out of pride, then that's exactly how you're going to be treated. When you need it, when you need someone to empathize with you. And so we need to be people of God who are living our lives, sharing hope and grace and mercy. Because there's going to come a time in our lives where where we need it ourselves. And I think when we reach out to people in the midst of their tragedies and we show them love and we show them the hope that we find in the Bible and in Jesus Christ, then in those moments they can see who God really is. We need to be those people. Not imitators of the Edomites, not people who are stuck on our own pride, but rather people who are looking at tragedy and saying, there is a God who wants to be glorified through this. We need to be those lights. We need to be those people who show the sympathy that we would want in our own lives. Can we be those people? We pray with me. Gracious Father, we are saddened by the way that Edom treated the Israelites. Lord, sometimes we're even saddened by the way we treat other people when they are facing their own calamities, their own disasters. 
Lord, I just pray in my own life that when I see disaster, that I will have sympathy, that I will show grace and mercy, that no matter what has caused the person to be in this situation, that I will not look at them and blame them, but rather just show them the love that Jesus has shown us. Help us, Father, in our lives to be people like this. Be people who are reaching out. Be people who are seeking healing in this world. Lord, we know you are the only healing that we truly need. You're the only answer to the pain that we're feeling and that we see. Help us to be lights that are sharing the healing that you can bring. I ask these things in your name. Amen.